It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Plodcast Christmas Special. The Plodcast is the nature and countryside podcast from Country Farm magazine, and this is our last episode of 2020. But it's a great opportunity to look back on the craziness of the past year and a little look forward to some of the fun that we hope to have in 2021. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. And with me in the virtual studio to discuss all things wild and wonderful, production editor Margaret Bartlett, podcast producer Jack Bateman, and voiceover artist and general fixer, Hannah Tribe. Hello, friends, and happy Christmas, and lovely to see your faces. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. So what a year, chaps. That's been a real struggle, working from home, creating a magazine about the countryside, creating podcasts about the countryside. Um, It's been tough, hasn't it? I I mean, we all love that we all love the countryside, uh, we've all had to sort of be contained in little cages for a lot of the time. Um, how have you all coped with not getting, or have you been able to sneak out and get your fix when, whenever possible? Well, well, I, th- I consider us, well, we consider ourselves and our family to be lucky because we're in Cardiff um, and literally like two blocks away from this most beautiful park, Butte Park, which runs through the, through the city. And it's, it's actually, well, the Teff Trail, I have to say, starts in Butte Park. So you can literally go as far as Brick and Beacons from, from almost, like, you know, two blocks away from our house. So we feel really, really privileged. And we found all sorts of amazing little spots in the park that we hadn't found before. And, you know, we've seen it through the seasons in a more, much more intimate way than, than, than we have done in the whole of the six years that we've lived here. You know, we've seen... We've seen so much more of the park and enjoyed it so much more, really, in depth. So a few, a few sort of positives in some ways that you've kind of managed to see a more, I suppose, a close-up view of the seasons rather than sort of mad dashing around on the trek because you commute to Bristol where we all work, as yeah. I do. Have you, have you, has that been a bonus, not commuting? Oh, my gosh. The number of hours I mean, it gets to you question, the day. <laughs> it's incredible, yeah. isn't it, really? How much more time mm. you have to yourself, but... Also more time to 
to appreciate what's what's directly on your doorstep rather than always kind of racing from one place to the other. But I think everybody's found that really. And, and that, I think that's been, you know, an unexpected bonus. And also, really, it's kind of odd things that have happened in Cardiff. I don't know in, in Bristol whether it's been like this, but, you know, things like people have really, really enjoyed the Tack River. And in the summer when it was hot, you know, they were, it was crowded like a beach um, with people swimming and, and you know, I took the kids down there and we spent an entire afternoon with them, with them finding all sorts of detritus, I have to say, sadly, detritus on the bottom of the river. But at least they were playing and there were loads of kids down there doing it too. So they were sort of unexpected. That's lovely. I love your positive yeah. take on it. That's that's fantastic. How about you, Hannah? Were you... um. Where did you skulk out through? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I went back to Wales um, to be with my parents on Gower. Um, and it was fantastic. I know I'm, I'm extremely lucky. I was moving from Bristol, which is lovely and wild in itself. But to be here and to experience spring, um, to be in Wales and to experience spring in a way that I haven't for years um it sort of changed my perspective i think i was quite i was very worried about the sorts of things you worry about in the city um like food and work and kind of it was sort of a treadmill i'd go back and forth whereas coming back to the countryside gave me an opportunity to kind of stop and all that extra time i do feel like commuting was a kind of collective madness or getting packed in together for the sake of all being at work at the same time. Like I've always tried to avoid it as much as possible, but to have that time, um, yeah, it's a work-life balance is much better. Feel freer. Gosh, two positive stories. That's lovely. And 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 you're not having to forage for food in Bristol anymore. You've been able to stop, stop food. <laughs> that's lovely yeah no, you've got an allotment I'm just perfect so you've kind of been self-sufficient not no <laughs> it would be nice to be self, self-sufficient from allotment self-sufficient in a mental health way I can soothe myself but I can't necessarily feed myself without the help of other people oh. still lovely really just it's it's lovely to hear these sort of positive, uplifting stories from from a tough year. Jack, if you uh, are you going to bring the tone down, or are you going <laughs> to? Usually, <laughs> hopefully <does>. not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was um, just going. My kind of it's a nice st- story, I guess. My year, as much as it's been difficult and been very insidey, if that's a word, um, I've really liked. I'm quite close to a few sort of places like Westonbert, Alboretum, uh, Durham Park one of the National Trust places are relatively close to me. And uh, even when there's been a bit more restriction in lockdowns and stuff, they've still been able to be open. So you're still able to pop there. I thought, I thought you were going to say you climbed over the fences. Oh, no, 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 no. Is... I'm, I'm a good citizen. <laughs> I pay, pay, pay the entry fee. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, and uh, it's been nice to get there and have a wander around. And I think going there in a year such as this really changed the way I've visited those places. Uh, I think before... I kind of go there and it, I, I always found like the, the Arboretum really relaxing and it's a place to get a bit of quiet and just listen to nature. Um, but when you go there after being stuck at home and, and so isolated, I guess being able to go there and just have a wander around 
and there's no rush. I'm not rushing around it and just not taking anything in. I am really stopping and slowing down and uh, having a good look. And I think other people were doing the same. I think even younger children, you're seeing quite a lot of them wander around and I guess not even running around causing mayhem everywhere. They were just wandering around, just taking it in, getting a bit of a break from being stuck inside, which I expect drove them a bit crazy. So did you feel that you appreciated it sounds like you sort of made the appreciation of the outdoors more intense, being sort of forbidden from it or being constrained from it. Did you feel that then? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's the pla- those sort of places. You're not. There's no really boundaries. Kind of, you can kind of walk anywhere. You're not being told to follow a certain path. And obviously, with lockdowns, when you go to a, a shop or anything like that, there's the one way you must go this way. Do not go off the path. Whereas you can go to these places, get a bit of fresh air, kind of go wherever you want and you're not going to be crammed in with anyone else because the places are sort of so big and open. I think that, and maybe that was the benefit of it is you get a bit of freedom back whilst being out in the air and getting closer, a bit closer to nature. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I think that's the, the sort of sense of when you can't do something, it takes on an even greater um, magic, I suppose. And I think a lot of our readers have felt that. I had a really nice letter from someone um, which I've just just opened and saying how they'd felt that the magazine gave them a virtual staycation because they were isolating a little bit older and and they were listing all the places that we'd been to in the magazine over the year. Uh, And I've had a lot of letters like that. I think, yeah, we all need, we've, we've all needed it and we've had to find our, find our little niche. I've managed to, well, I tend to ignore my local area in normal times and go off further afield to sort of wildlife hotspots. I just have to see wildlife and I have to be walked. I'm like a dog. I have to be walked on a regular basis. And if, um, by me, I walk myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was odd just staying local. I thought, Oh, I'm not going to see very much this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's the loudest thing I've ever we, I think we should yeah, keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the struggles of recording um, in lockdown. Yeah. Oh gosh, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah normally we'd be. Um, last year we were in a nice little booth at work where we where we recorded with mince pies and um, and booze. Well, I'm going to pour myself another mulled wine at this stage. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, and, and exploring the local footpaths. In fact, I, I was just about to make a podcast about curlies in the Black Mountains, which I didn't know there were many there, but apparently there's a farm. A farmer has done a fantastic job of promoting them with various ways of managing his fields and not cutting for silage too early. Anyway, that was thrown out of the window and I couldn't get there. And I felt very sad about that because I love curlies. But to my total delight, within eight minutes walk of my house, there's a pair of curlies nesting. And because I'd never been, I'd been too antsy in my pantsy in spring to um to 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 explore locally yeah i i i hadn't ever explored that area and gosh it was amazing there they were bubbling away that incredibly evocative song and i could hear them sometimes i camped in the garden with my son and we could hear them at night so they they gurgle and bubble and do their mating songs at night who knew and during the day so that was utter magic 
And there were loads of other discoveries like that locally. And I got to know the local footpaths and I started doing litter picks around the local lanes because it was quite depressing seeing how much stuff had been chucked out by people clearly enjoying the countryside, but just like tossing their cans in and coffee cups and things like that. So, uh, and then I started making art from the cans and now it's become a sort of weird hobby of making landscapes and creatures like curlies and lapwings and things from, from the cans. So there's some sort of weird thing has happened there, but it's, sort of wouldn't have happened without lockdown. Has so, that kind of been quite a therapeutic? Well, I get really frustrated yeah, doing it, actually. Because <laughs> it's like really, it's really hard. It's really cans? hard and I'm not a particular, I'm not a particular, well, picking up the cans and clearing the lanes has been therapeutic. Mm. And then, and then I, the next time I come down, it's all, someone's tossed loads of stuff out again. So the, then I need more therapy. But uh, up to that point, it's, it's, um, it's something I think everyone should try and get involved with. If you love the countryside, there's no point on moaning about bad people throwing stuff into the hedgerows. It's like no one else is going to clear it up, put on some gloves or get one of those sort of pairs of council tongs, I call them, yes. you know, the things that you pick litter up from ditches. And, uh, you, yeah, it makes a difference. And over time, I mean, I say over time, 23 bags of rubbish later, I've actually cleared the local Wow, wood. 23 but, bags. You know, I don't... Yeah, and counting, yeah. but um, I sort of lost count after a while. But it's clear now until, you know, give it a year and it'll sort of, it's the natural, <laughs> the natu- it's natural literary inhabitants will return. Um, anyway, mostly, so it sounds like the four of us had quite a, a positive experience at times during lockdown because obviously we've been able to get out and see nature and and get that sort of breathing space from perspective from being in the countryside. I was really delighted that during lockdown, the podcast, which obviously that's what we're here to talk about as well. Um, it's been really interesting how that has, it's really reached more and more of more and more listeners and your feedback has been really fantastic. Again, like I said about the letters to the magazine, your listeners have been great. You've been really encouraging, sending in, saying how much it's helped if you couldn't get out for whatever reason, strict lockdown or shielding or, you know, maybe physical impairment. It meant you can't travel as widely as you want to. So, um, and actually we've made, was it Jack, 45, 47 podcasts this year. And some are really, they're real gems of just taste of the countryside. Um, And I, totally you know if you get a chance over christmas dear less dear listeners do look through the back catalog because there's as a couple i mean we'd like to share some of our favorites and some clips from them and i'm going to kick off with my absolute i listened to this one again it's one i recorded on sugarloaf which is the hill just north of abergavenny at the height of spring so late april and it's just the most delicious series of bird songs and migrant birds mixing with resident birds i had this target to to meet the holy quadrangle <laughs> people say talk about the holy trinity of um wood warblers red starts and pied flycatchers which are three migrant birds living in oak woods and they have varied songs quite evocative songs but the, i i had um the tree pipit which is boring brown looking bird but has the most gorgeous song so i add that to the holy trinity got them all plus loads of other things and i mean you know 
if you if it, it's it's just spellbinding to listen to it and and remember that spring is so unbelievably special. And there's carpets of bluebells here. And not all of them are out. So a slightly higher elevation. Might be another week or so before they're in absolute full glory. This is a heavenly oak wood, actually. Blackbirds singing up ahead. So the kind of your everyday garden birds can be found up here too. Look at that lazy, soporific song of the blackbird. Anyone else got any favourites that they um, that they would like to share with the listeners? I really enjoyed. I have to say, I mean, access to the countryside is obviously a massive, massive issue. And again, you know, during lockdown, it's been really important for so so many of us. And we've it's become more more of a prominent issue, hasn't it? I mean, we've realised mm. what we can do and what we can't do in the countryside. And um, I really enjoyed listening to the, to the podcast you did, Fergus, with um, Nick, Nick Hayes. Hayes. Oh, Nick, yeah. the um, Book of Trespass, yeah. yeah, author of the Book of Trespass, yeah, Nick. Um, yeah, because, yeah I, and he's also, he's so eloquent. And, oh, my goodness, yeah. yes. I found it really inspiring, you know, yeah, he's just really inspiring tech all around. Yeah, well, he said you've got no right to be here. You're trespassing, and so I was—I I wasn't so surprised at his response to us being there. But what really surprised me was our response to this sort of tirade of uh, aggression, which was uh, to sort of bow our heads in humility, make a 180, do a U-turn, and I wondered why did we accept that power that this uh, person on a quad bike had over us uh, that kind of definition that we were causing some kind of harm uh, so that was the seed of the book really and I just looked into first of all how much land in England is uh, forbidden from the pu- from public access uh, and second like what exactly trespass means and who, who created those rules and, uh, and, and it goes all the way back obviously to the Norman conquest and to William the Conqueror yeah, he's um, he's campaigning for more access in the countryside. In fact, has some interesting responses and letters to to both his article in the mag and the podcast, right. which was some people just really don't think the public should have access to the to the countryside. I don't think he's Nick is asking for anything more than a few more footpaths and a little bit more access. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you see some people had a very different. If you own a huge estate you have a very different experience of lockdown than someone who lives yeah, in a flat i certainly um, did yes and uh, yeah. yeah when you're at your huge estate <laughs> called, called the lady of gower um yeah i met i met nick on his canal boat and he was just he's just an incredibly interesting engaging mm. man and he can draw uh, very and interesting he friend. I mean, he's a and he can draw yeah and he can draw as an yeah. illustrator yeah yeah what's not, not, not to like and he has <laughs> patches on his jumper in just the right places so um <laughs> admirable definitely well worth a listen and and one of a more issue-based podcast yeah brilliant mm. thanks no thanks, I, I, I did really enjoy that one and it, you know it, it you know made me feel you know more passionate you know about these about oh. these issues, which is so which is radicalized yeah, you know, exactly, which is what we <laughs> all need to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Jack, how about you? You uh... well, I'm going to go all the way back to February this year, and the before lockdown. before lockdown. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't remember times. just before, and I think it's just kind of it means even more 
personally to me because it was the the one where I was released out of the studio for a, a day uh, to go and record the <laughs> double parter for the search for the source of the river thames ah uh, yeah excellent i was allowed out i came with you uh the three of us went to uh hunt down the uh source or the controversial sources yeah, we probably made it more controversial it was great i mean it feels like two years ago of more that we did it even though it was only february this year but uh I think it was just such a great one. I think we had a great time. It was really fun. It was really nice fun. Nice and chilly. Yeah. I remember it being really wet and really cold. Very wet. Yeah. But it was so great. And I mean, I took quite a bit of kit and some of the sounds we found were, I found quite enjoyable. Um, obviously you had... Squelching. We had, squelching I found a bit, with, a we had squelch of the year. Uh, <laughs> that's right we did quite early I thought in February yeah. to go for Scratch of the Year <laughs> yeah. early, early Scratch of the Year we had obviously the lovely bird song we had uh, one of my favourites the uh, Post Milk Rice Krispies uh, I found with some of the mud gurgling away um, oh, oh, yeah. that was a that was a highlight I just I thought I think it's a really great one to listen to uh, I think the weather did us a lot of favours Um and of of course, Fergus splashing around in the uh, sauce. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Oh yes. Okay, so I've got. Oh, this is disgusting. I've got shoes and socks off. I'm actually going to paddle in the muddiest pool. The sauce of the tent. It's not that cold. Bizarrely. There we go. It's so slimy and soggy. But I'm actually stuck. There we go. Could someone, t- could you take a photo? <laughs> <laughs> to prove I'm here. The people of London, eight days later, got a strange smell of cheesy feet. <laughs> 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 As it washed down the river. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, yeah, that was, the three of us, Hannah, Jack and me, we, we, we searched for the source of the Thames in Gloucestershire in three places because there's some conjecture over whether the official source, which is quite a lonely spot. I thought we plodded a long way in wet and it had been, it was very flooded. I'd never seen so much water there before. And it was quite, quite an epic day and well rounded off with a pub lunch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All good walks are. Yeah. That that was, um, yeah. Well, in, in, in bygone years anyway, Oh gosh, yeah, the before times. Before times, yeah, um, yeah, great. I, I, there's two. There's two parts to that. In fact, the first one is is has many more listeners than the second part, which I think the second part has some juicy good bits. So I would, I, yeah, all those people only listen to the first part. You've missed out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Hannah? So my favourite podcast from this year was Maria talking to Helen McDonald. Oh yeah, um, they're just they're two brilliant women and. To hear them talking so passionately about nature. When I came back to stay at my parents in Gower, I brought a couple of books back with me. Um, not that my parents don't have any books, but I wanted that kind of um, security of my own my own favourite books, treasures. sort of comfort yeah. blanket books. Yeah. And I've got two copies of Helen McDonald's H's for Hawk because I've got one for travelling and one for um, in the house because it's so beautifully written and she writes in a way that kind of takes 
ideas that I've had, but makes them more articulate, puts them down on the page and kind of expands them and paints them out in this beautiful way. And she's just so, I love the way that she's both incredibly intelligent, but not po-faced about it at all. She makes everything so accessible and so clear and so fun. You really get a sense of her passion for all these things. Um, and you get that in the podcast. Um, and your passion for it's really coming across. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, lo- I love her. She's brilliant. And Well, you had a role although, in the podcast. Yes, I did. And it took me ages because, because I love her so much and because I have sat with her writing for such a long time and it's meant so much to me personally, to be speaking her words out loud was terrifying because the idea that she might hear me speaking her voice which has been her voice in my head for such a long time. And to get that right and to do justice to something that she's spent so long creating and something that has touched so many people. Um, I hope I did a reasonably good job. Yeah, I thought it was all right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. It was absolutely beautiful. And, and you were right to talk about Maria as well. She's, she's one of the team, one of the uh, magazine editorial team, Maria Hodson. And, um, She's done a lot of interviews for the podcast, as Margaret has as well. And it's, um, yeah, it was perfect, perfect blend of two. Yeah, sweet. It felt like they could be friends, like they were just talking normally. It wasn't like I'm asking the questions and you're answering them. There, There's definitely a sort of synergy between those two women that comes across really warmly on the podcast. That's brilliant, brilliant podcast. And I was quite a loner as a kid, so I used to go out and spend so much time just you know stuffing my face you know under rocks looking for bugs and wading around ponds trying to catch newts i used to bring grass snakes home occasionally my parents would be like helen not another grass snake and i just and it was funny you know we, we so often think of nature as something which is you know we set ourselves against or we compare ourselves to it or we have to identify it you know to me when i was a kid you know all the animals and creatures and plants i met were kind of like school friends i needed to know their names so I became really obsessed with field guides and, um, you know, I still have a whole bunch of field guides in my loo. If anyone comes to visit me, they'll be sort of looking at, you know, birds of New Zealand and spiders of Britain and Europe. So it's always been there. It's always been part of who I am. And um, I'm really thankful for it. Helen's voice is amazing. It's so... Yeah. It's like full of... It's, it's like she's on the verge of... It's very mirthful and warm. I think I can't think of a better way of exp- it, it's when you listen to it, you think, oh, it's incredibly, she's confident and relaxing. And that's a, it's a lovely audio experience to listen to her. Um, yeah. Brilliant. I, good choice. So there are, I mean, that's just four of, oh, well, I'm going to say one more actually, because I, I editor's privilege, but I also, one of the joys of working on the magazine is I get to meet various interesting people and persuade them to do podcasts and I'd heard a long time ago, I saw something on TV about honey buzzards in South Wales. Now, honey buzzards, if you're at all interested in birds, they're kind of rare, mythical almost. Do they exist in Britain or not? There's only a handful of pairs breeding and their summer visitors, very hard to find. So I was thinking, gosh, I'd love to just I'll wander through this forest and see if I can find these honey buzzards. Now, that, that would have been a really stupid thing to do because I, I could have taken it. It could have taken me a hundred years and I wouldn't have seen them. So I looked up online and I searched and searched and searched. And eventually I found this guy who's a honey buzzard expert called Steve Roberts. And I tracked him down 
and it turned out he replied to my email and it turned out he was very happy to take me to see a honey buzzard nest and to do a recording, which is amazing. But he also lives in the next village in Raglan. So he's just down the road. So we've actually managed to do a couple of podcasts together. But that was incredibly generous of him to take me along with, with some other folk. And he climbed a tree to... Uh, to ring the chicks these honey buzzard chicks and we saw the female flying above and she she called and she it was very i hope it comes across in the podcast there's some it was weirdly in the middle of a very remote wood but with a busy road down in the valley so there's this sort of sense of you're wild and these wild noises of the birds but then the the drone of, of of a welsh trunk road um but special moment, and I don't, I doubt there's been a podcast on honey buzzards before, with live honey buzzard chat. Just the silhouette. I don't know. I guess female. You never hear them. Except yeah. under yeah, these no, conditions. No, really? Okay, because yeah, ne- you never ever heard one well. just it's flying yeah. about and mm, calling. Yeah. It's a proper whistle. It's yes. kind of, yeah. oh. Did that one come off the nest? Oh, oh, you know, we not didn't sure. see it. We didn't see one on the Oh, that's amazing. So, um, that's really, really pleasing. But anyway, as I said, 47 podcasts this year, 30 odd last year. All of them varied and all of them providing really lovely escapes into the countryside. So please do do listen on and, and check check them out. Work your way back. Um, we are returning with a new season of podcasts in the new year. Uh, I think it, we're going to start on January the 12th and the theme is going to be water. So we've got lots of really exciting things coming up and we'll do a promo for that. So I'm not going to... Uh, go through what's all the content but it's definitely going to be fun however that's looking forward to 2021 which is a whole unexplored world of adventure i hope for all of us have any of you got some exciting plans or, or just like dreams for next year having sort of when we might be allowed out of our cages i'm just looking forward to hopefully next year not having any restriction i think it's been so long where we've been tied down and you can't go to this place you can only go to this place and see this person just to almost be free again i i think that's that's the uh the thing i think i'm most looking forward to just being able to go out and see who you want to see be able to see you guys and face to face not for a screen even that would be nice uh just to just to get out again i think and uh not be restricted how about you, Margaret? Well, yeah, I, I can echo what Jack's saying, really. I think w- when we were re- reflecting a little bit on the year, we realised we had none of us have actually left Wales since um, March, early March. So, well, I mean, I know, why would you? Why would you? Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to just kind of expanding our, our, our territory a little bit, yeah. And... Um, I really, really want to go to the Lake District, and I have only ever been there once, and, I, and that's a terrible confession. Um, so, and we've obviously featured, featured it so much and talked about it so much in the magazine. There's so much to explore. So that is definitely 
on my holiday list for 2021. Brilliant. Well, let's make it happen. Maybe we can send you there for work as well. If you, I'm sure you would write a beautiful piece about it. Hannah. I am going to be spending some time in Somerset. Um, my best friend has just bought her first house down there. And so we're going to explore, guess, see what's going on down there. That's my home county. It's a mighty fine place. So treat it, treat it well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I promise nothing. Yeah, but um, talking about Rachel here, who um, has done, who's living the rural dream, having lived in Bristol, is, is making use of flexible. Well, you can tell the story. She's. I think she's always wanted to do this. She's always. She's quite sort of a self-contained person, and she's quite happy in her own space. And lockdown has meant that she can prove to people that she can be as productive at home as in the office, and maybe even more so. And so. It's really given her an opportunity to live the life that she wants to. Lovely. It's it's excellent. That's brilliant. That's so exciting. People are able to actually get out of the city and live live a bit more freely. Yeah. Good. Freedom. Same with Jack. Well, ho- hopefully it'll change the city centres and the city the shape of the city centres will change and we'll give more space over to um parks and green spaces because we've all had this collective experience where Mm. we have understood how important it is Mm. to have these places and the people who haven't had them have really missed them so hopefully if more people move out of the city as a result of not having to commute then um we will free up more space for green that's a lovely lovely image i hope i hope this this happens Something good has got to happen in 2021. Maybe that's a good thing. And you going to Somerset is a good thing. You'll you'll realise that beyond Wales, there are still beautiful things. Obviously, I don't believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I would sort of. I'd love to. I, there are lots of places where I've not been able to go to, which I normally would head to each year. But um, wild and beautiful places in England, funnily enough. But <laughs> but um, actually, what I'm really looking forward to, a bit like Jack. I just want to sit in a pub with friends, drinking and chatting in that sort of convivial, just take it for granted, but that sort of general merriment and community and bond and and, and a really nice pint of beer uh, in, in lovely, cosy surroundings. That's, ah, so that would be nice to do again. Without any, without the kind of you know masks and social distancing and all the and all the kind of things in the back of your mind the whole time that should you get have I got have I got within one one meter eighty of them did I or did I uh, yeah. uh, God what have I done wrong you constantly think about what you've done doing wrong the whole time and it's yeah. it erodes your sort of calm so uh, some calm and beauty and beer twenty twenty one good well look. That's, I think we've probably kept our listeners for long enough and they probably want to get back to their Christmases, but it's been lovely chatting to you all. And I wish all my friends here and all our wonderful listeners the most superb Christmas you can have and a wonderful new year. And we'll see you all or hear you all or listen, or you'll be listening to us again in January. So it's a big happy Christmas and goodbye from us all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. The dollar clown.